All right, I'm just going to jump right into this. I do want to note that I'm not going to be using anyone's real names since this is a semi-public forum. Um, so anyway, starting from one of the last significant things to happen in the campaign, in my opinion, um, the party had been tasked sort of under the table by uh, Duchess Tessalia Willowite to go and some recover some items that were um, obtained possibly through illegal means by the League of Adventures in Berlin Fairwoods. So the party um, decides to go check it out. And uh, <laughs> so they go, they go into town and uh, they, they decide to go ahead and investigate the place by just walking in and talking to people because, you know, that <laughs> why why make it complicated you know just just do the thing um it's it's funny to me as a dm like some things that i think they're going to make super complicated you know i thought they might scout it out like try to sneak around or you know watch the building for a while or interrogate someone that came out of the building like these are some possibilities that were going through my mind and the party gets there and like right off the bat they're like i'm gonna walk in and which was fine. I mean, that's one of the wonderful things about D&D is like you can just do whatever and there's, you know, no plan <laughs> that players have to stick to or follow. Um, and it makes it a lot of fun because I like the RPing side of it. So three of the players decide to go in. Um, two of them uh, decide not to. So she may... Um, had he wasn't wearing his disguise um, and didn't want to go in and have his face recognized and get, you know, arrested and taken uh, back to Alexandria where they're still wanted as far as they know. And uh, Bear doesn't have a wanted poster at the time of this particular incident <laughs> and so decided not to uh, be involved with with that. So they they go shopping. And um, they they decided they wanted some magic items from a Kenku and got to talk to them and discuss prices and things and um, realized that this Kenku seemed a little bit shady, might be part of the Thieves Guild. So they were like, oh, we'll bring our rogue back and, and they'll help us buy Thieves tools. Anyway, while the rest of the group was checking out the... Um, League of Adventures Guildhouse. Um, they walk in. They are introduced to a guy whose name I used to have in front of me, but now I do not. So, oh, Claudican. That's right, Sir Claudican Chatillon, uh, <laughs> um, who's the receptionist there, and. Um, basically gives them a lot of the information that they needed. The place was three levels. It had main floor, an upper floor, and a basement. And the basement, no one was allowed to go into. And the group was like, cool, that's where we need to go. Awesome. Um, they chatted to him for a bit. They did have their disguises. Um, so Mia Mine, who is a half-orc barbarian, um, looks like a Goliath at the time. Uh, Bambi Barbie, who is a dark elf rogue, um, was bright orange and had different facial features. And um, Stree had um, what is probably the most OP 
thing in this entire campaign, honestly. Um, it has a disguise that just makes her very unmemorable. Um, just as she's wearing this ring, she just, her face is just completely forgettable. And so they have this discussion, they leave, and they're like, okay, we need to go ahead and get down to the basement. Um, and the guys are like, cool, first let's go uh, get the, the thieves tools. And um, <laughs> this has got to be one of my favorite things that has been introduced um, in, in my campaign. So um, Red, who is the girl that plays Bambi Barbie, like this this is like one of the first characters. I think this is the second character this group had like ever made minus uh, um, minus Cryptus and Bubby, who are both guys that had played this before. Um, but the rest of us were very new to this. We made characters. We had no idea what we were doing. I had played a little bit, but hadn't really DM'd that much and wanted to. And so we were all learning together. And so Red made this character. And to this day, like there are some classes that you just jive with and you totally get. And there are some you just really don't. And for Red, it's the rogue class. Like she's she's definitely gotten... I think she's starting to hit her stride. She might not know it, but it seems like she's hitting her stride with it. But um, initially when we started playing, she was just not getting the character and having a hard time getting frustrated. And so when we started the campaign back up, she was like, you know what? I'm just going to embrace it. This character, and that's how she, you know, one of the reasons she got the name Bambi Barbie is because this character is a ditz. She has no idea what she's doing. And that's going to be her backstory now. She was, you know... Part of a family of rogues and she was the you know one that just didn't know what she was doing and so she's incorporated that into her character and it just makes it fantastic so whenever <laughs> whenever this happened where she goes up to this kenku who's you know she recognizes is a member of the thieves guild she's talking to the kenku and <laughs> and doesn't know how to appropriately respond to uh get what she wants from the Kenku to, to indicate that she's also a member of the guild. And, <laughs> and so I have her roll a history check and she rolls, I, it was like either a one or something very low and just no, <laughs> no idea how to get through this encounter. And so they left without these tools. It was awesome because it very much was in character for her. And, and, uh, and I, I just, I love that part <laughs> of, of RP. And I think it's so impressive the way she's taken this like thing that was difficult for her and made it her own and made it a fun and engaging part of the game. So anyway, that happened. Um, they're sitting around discussing how they're going to break into this guild hall. And of course, as a DM, you, you try to plan like around what you think your characters are going to do. Um, you know, because you, you, you don't want to go in with like a specific plan where you're going to railroad them into doing this thing this way. Because um, it's not D&D. &D. That's like, you know, you play video games if you want that. <laughs> um, but you want to have an idea so you can run it appropriately. 
I had no idea what they were going to do. I had thought they were going to try to like sneak in, turn invisible, send someone down there, um, which they did, um, but <laughs> not in the way I was expecting. Um, and they, I thought they might have waited till everyone was asleep. I might thought they might have like tried to transfigure themselves. Um, at one point, Shime had turned into a storm giant, and I thought that they might try something like that. But no, that is not what they did. They um, me on mine actually, and it's so funny because Xena uh, doesn't role play as much as the other characters. She wants to go in and hit things and fight things, and um, so for her, and she's not super into the magic stuff. And I had forgotten that at the very beginning of the campaign, she had gotten this random magic item that was a homebrew item. Um, it was a, a shepherd staff that allowed her to charm any animals within a hundred feet of her. And I had forgotten about this uh, to my detriment because she was looking through her character sheet and was like, hey, you know what? I have this thing I've never used. I bet that would make a great distraction. Uh, are there any animals around here? And unbeknownst to them, like I had planned, this was this was not a huge town in the Fairwoods. It was it was a farming community. It was big enough to have a couple shops and a guild hall, but it wasn't one of the major cities because it was a farming village. So there were lots and lots of animals around, <laughs> and, um, and it's the Fairwoods, so there's already a fair amount of animals around anyway. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, they went and uh, skipped down the road, found a huge farm with a bunch of cows and pigs and sheep and chickens and charmed all of them. Like, as, like I, we had brought a bag of little uh, markers to help mark all these animals, and there were not enough <laughs> in this bag for the number of animals that they had. It was insane. It was awesome, but it was insane. Um so they they go marching back into town with this host of animals. And at that point, I told the group, I was like, this seems like a great stopping point. And the group was like, oh, you like to leave it on a cliffhanger? I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I don't know how to run this encounter. <laughs> I need to take a break and figure out what I'm going to do with this because I, I, I want to do it justice um, was one of the huge things. I thought that it was such a brilliant idea that me online that Zena had had and I didn't want to just sort of like gloss over like okay like I wanted I wanted it to be a big deal and uh it was kind of a good thing I did because that encounter lasted a really long time <laughs> and uh it was it was great fun I I really it's one of those moments where as a DM you want to go and introduce like a lot more of that kind of thing into the game so that your players can do that to you again because it was it was just out of the blue and it was amazing and yeah it was great um so we we took a break i went home <laughs> i looked up stats for all the animals that they had um and sort of <laughs> adjusted a couple things to to make the encounter um run well um Mass combat is hard to do in D&D. &D. I'd never I'd I'd never run it as a DM really. Um and I'd had another DM that I had played for that had run it. Um and it can get pretty complicated pretty fast. So my goal going into that encounter was to have as as little math and like rules 
like I, I wanted the game to run quickly and I don't know that I was incredibly effective at that, but I simplified it enough that I feel like it ran okay. But yeah, they, <laughs> um, they go in, a couple of them are invisible. It was complete chaos. So I can't even remember all the specifics at this point. Um, but it was, it was nuts. Uh, the rogue started sneaking in, but couldn't get past all the animals. The monk, um, was really like standing back and, um, yeah, Stree was like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna see how this plays out and I'm just gonna let them do their thing and then we'll, you know, um, so animals go in, chaos ensues, two of the characters, two or three, three of the characters start to head down. So me on mine is, is kind of guiding the sheep because she has to physically and, and out loud tell the animals what to do because this is a staff that allows them to be charmed by her and understand her simple instructions. Um, but she can't communicate with them telepathically. So that was kind of um, a, a balance to this <laughs> surprisingly overpowered item. Um, so she's directing the animals. Bear and she may head downstairs. They run into one of the guards, one of the big guards that was I had already planned on being there. I thought they were going to initially sneak around him, but that wasn't going to happen because there were um, animals everywhere and he was on alert. And uh, um, Shime was able to turn Earthreal and like pass through him and was going to do something. I don't know what he was going to do, something crazy, but Bear got in the way with Misty Step. Fighting ensued. They were about to kill him and the animals suddenly stampede downstairs because they were told to go downstairs, break through doors, and to create chaos. And that's what they did. And Bear and Shime almost got stampeded in this process. Um, and the guy that they were fighting did get stampeded and died. Um, uh, and it was it was crazy. Um, but they finally, they got downstairs, they get into this treasure room. And initially, I had planned um, a couple encounters because this treasure room was protected buy a lot of things. And I ended up not doing those encounters because first of all, it was already crazy. And I didn't want to run those encounters with animals and add to the craziness. And second of all, I forgot <laughs> because it was so crazy. Uh, the only encounter that they did have was an alarm spell that ringed the outer, the, the inner hallway that um, led to the different treasure rooms. The alarm went off. Luckily, the animals were creating so much noise that um, Shime was able to cast silence and it was instant. I was really impressed because as soon as it started, he was like silence. And I was like, Oh yeah. Awesome. Um, and nobody noticed because the animals were being so loud and, um, everyone in the building had disadvantage on perception checks because of all the chaos and the noise, um, because that's what the animals were doing. And so they went in and, um, they started to loot the area. Um, they recovered the items that they were supposed to for Tessalia and in payment, any items that they found in addition to that, they were allowed to keep. Um, and so they found some pretty cool stuff. Um, we'll see how that plays out because there are a lot of magic items. Uh, they got a bunch of treasure. They could have gotten more, but the longer they stayed, the higher the risk they ran. Um, because upstairs, unbeknownst to them, Stree had finally gotten into play, um, she went up to Claudekin and was distracting him and trying to help herd the animals while really helping the animals cause more chaos. And it definitely bought their members downstairs a lot more time. And it was 
pretty good strategy, honestly. Like, I don't know, I don't know how well they strategized this beforehand, but if this was their plan, it went off really well. <laughs> um, so she was able to distract them long enough that they were able to get most of the stuff they wanted downstairs um, and able to make an escape. Bambi um, did end up getting downstairs, grabbing some of the jewels and some of the money and then running back upstairs. And <laughs> um, she rolled very poorly on her stealth to get out. I think she ended up rolling a natural one. Luckily, the only person that was around to see her was Stree, who just kind of rolled her eyes and <laughs> off Bambi went. Um, so they were able to do, they were, they were able to get out. Um, at one point, Claudican did cast Fireball and like incinerate a bunch of animals and two of his own members of the guild because he was just frantically trying to protect the guild and he couldn't in the chaos I was rolling to see if he would remember that he could cast magic and help because he's not he's not totally on top of things <laughs> he was he was kind of there in the interim until uh Seraton who was the master of the guild got back and um and so he was he, he was rolling like one after one after one and then he rolled a 20 and 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 did that and then kept rolling poorly again um but yeah me on mine ended up feeling bad that some of the animals died and now she wants to she or he we haven't figured out what gender me on mine is yet uh they want to pay back the farmers for the uh animals that were lost and we'll see how that goes anyway um they end up tussling a little bit because at some point Claudican had finally called for reinforcements. Um, he had a message necklace that he had sent to Sirton. Sirton brought back um, someone to help him. And they interrogated a sheep, figured out that these people were the ones that helped create the chaos and started attacking the party. And the party just noped out. <laughs> they had their stuff. They left. They were able to get away the press of animals like as as they left they turn and they see the stampede of animals heading towards Claudican, heading towards Seraton, um, heading towards the dwarf that Seraton had brought with him and they don't know what happened after that. They may have died, they may not have, they don't know. <laughs> so that was it was really exciting. It was, it was such a fun encounter to run. Um, they went um, out of town, found kind of a hidden area to to rest and to regain their their slots and their health, and and to also check out all these magical items that they suddenly had. And oh boy, were there quite a few! I am interested to see what they do. Um, one of the favorite magic items that they have that I had introduced was uh, Yelvin's extraordinary eldritch things. Um, it was a suit of armor, and it's got like a breastplate and boots and. Uh, helm and a cloak and a hammer and um it it took a couple sessions but finally I got tired of holding on to the information to myself so I had one of them roll an intelligence check and they realized that Yavin's extraordinary eldritch things spell out yeet so it's the helm of yeet and the breastplate of yeet and the hammer of yeet and so these are all different things that do uh things that basically eat away something or eat away themselves. The cloak especially has all the spells that will eat a person out of the situation. And it's just kind of a 
joke amongst our group, and I love that. Anyway, I'm babbling. I'm sorry. Moving on. They have these magic items. They divvied them out. Some of them are attuning to them. Some of them aren't. Um, one of one of the other major items, and to be fair, this had been in the works for a while. This had been a plan for a while, and it just happened to happen that Stree, uh, Anastriana, attuned or or picked the uh, ring of mind shielding. That happened to be the ring that she decided to uh, sleep with to see what it did, to to hold on to and to wear. And uh, <laughs> unbeknownst to the group, and like I said, this had been the plan for a while. I had thought one of the other group members was going to get it and have a conversation with the soul that resided in the ring. But it turned out to be Street, and she starts, you know, she wakes up, she's hearing a voice in this ring that says, like, hello, who who are you? What are you doing with the ring? And she very, very quickly realizes that this is her sister, Tiana, uh, that Tiana had died and her soul had ended up in the ring. And there are a couple ways that this could have played into the story, um, like that, that she could have discovered this. Um, if they hadn't decided to go and and get the stuff from the guild, there might have there there were other plans in the back of my mind where she would have found out that that ring resided there that had her sister soul. Uh, but it it ended up not being necessary because that that's how it happened. But I I thought it was really funny that she happened to be the one wearing the ring. Um, so anyway, she's she's getting to deal with that new added complication. Um, and it, it helps that in our last campaign, um, I had actually played sister to, um, red, not red, Liz. Yeah. That's your nickname. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> uh, to Liz. So I played sister to Liz in our last campaign. So it was, it was a little, easier to slip into like that kind of role playing and stuff because we had just done that even though the relationship between Tiana I had imagined the relationship between Tiana and Street was going to be a little bit different but it turns out very similar to the way we role played in the last game but that's fine um because I don't get to decide how they react to NPCs they get to <laughs> um so so they gathered their stuff and um went to give the stuff back to Tessalia in, um, in Marilis Fairwoods. Then, uh, they just, they, they go back and I believe, yeah, they were just, they were still discussing like what had happened with the darkness and everything, because before this, there had been a period of darkness where night had basically, it was almost like a night sky had fallen over an area of the Fairwoods and it freaked all the Druids out because this, you know, it's a big deal to not have sun when you live in the forest. So they had returned the stuff and then Tessalia had asked them to go ahead um, and please check out this, um, you know, what was going on. There's another castle that's have, rumored to have had the spell cast on it as well. If they can figure out what this last item is that was stolen, they might be able to figure out what they're trying to do and how to stop it. Um, it's kind of been the main quest that 
the party has sometimes been interested in, sometimes have not. I'm trying not to railroad them and make them go do the main quest because that's not, you know, I'm, I'm very against railroading the party. If they want to completely ignore it, that's fine. It's a huge open world. There's a lot of other stuff they can do. Um, it does, and I do try to introduce the fact that, like, if they don't do anything about it, stuff does happen because of their inaction. Um, so, I mean, so there is that, but that's not like they have to go stop it. That they, they just, you know, like with the darkness that appeared over the sky, like there's going to be stuff that happens because it's not dealt with and that's fine. But uh, much to my surprise, the <laughs> characters were like, okay, yeah, we're going to go ahead and follow the main quest. We're going to, we're going to figure this out. And uh, so they decide to head down to Vassaroy Sandwoods, which is the port city um, closest to this rumored underwater city that had been cursed. Um, but before they did, they had to deal with something. Mia Mine had had a dream, and in her dream, this figure had told her that they had a favor that they needed her to, her or him, to take care of. They needed them to uh, take this person um, out of the Fairwoods, 50 miles in any direction. And uh, I wasn't sure what they were going to do with this. And uh, I, I, I didn't know, honestly, how me on mine was going to react to this, if they were going to like do it or just completely ignore it. Um, it was, it was totally up to them. And so they decide they'll, they'll go check it out and then see how it goes. And maybe they would kidnap this person or maybe they wouldn't, maybe they would just, I don't know. I don't know what they, they <laughs> I don't know how all the different ways it could have gone, but they end up going and meeting this guy named Bredendax, who's this gnome, uh, living with his wife. And, um, through a series of impressive roles by Bambi Barbie, uh, he was convinced that the Blarbies were coming. <laughs> and he doesn't know, nobody knows what Blarbies are. <laughs> but they're super dangerous, apparently, and only eat men. So <laughs> he ended up um, following the party and going with them. And uh, they were able to get him to Vassaroy. And uh, and <laughs> he, he ended up not following the party, which might have been a thing because the party had protected him in his mind. Uh, but he ended up not following them, which is pretty good because I have a feeling he would have been the kind of NPC that would have annoyed the crap out of them. Uh, but then they were able to get him to Vassaroy, deal with that side quest, and then focus on the main quest, which I will talk about in the next recording because I am going to run out of time. So thanks for listening, guys. I'm so glad that <laughs> I'm so glad that I have players that are willing to put up with me learning how to DM and all of the craziness that we get into and all the voices. I'm really bad at voices. Uh, but they they put up with it and go with it. And I really appreciate that. So if you guys are listening, I, I really appreciate you. And I can't wait to see you on Saturday. <laughs> Later, guys.